for today, guys. Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Tuesday, January 19th, 2020. I am joined once again for today's podcast by Ben Gorewood. Ben, say what's up to everybody. 2021. Shoot, yeah, 2021. <laughs> yeah, it's, our, it's, it's early in the year. I'm sure I'll make that mistake a couple more times. How's it going, everyone, though? I'm doing well. TP, thanks for having me on. Hey, Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again and catching my uh, lackluster mistake. Um, I'm excited, guys, to talk about today's podcast. It's kind of the first podcast where we don't have as much to talk about as we usually do, and you're kind of getting to that point where that it's almost done with football season. But, hey, the good news is, Ben, we had some great football over the weekend. It was our last Saturday with football. I shed a few tears once I realized that. But I want to go ahead and start things off with what we saw last, and that would be starting things out on Sunday. I think the games on Sunday were honestly even a little bit more interesting. Let's go ahead and start things off, though, with the first game that we watched on Sunday, and that would be the Cleveland Browns versus the Kansas City Chiefs, the game that no one expected to be as close as it was. Well, actually, me and Ben did because we both had the Browns plus 10. But, Ben, I mean, how crazy was this game, man? Watching Pat Mahomes go down, I mean, did you you think that by any chance he would see the Browns come back and win? Well, first, before – say that I just want to say this I actually texted Ben when that fumble happened out of the back of the end zone and I was like I guarantee you that's going to end up costing the Browns this game some yeah. one way or another and what do you know yeah um I mean that was such a bang bang hit that happened I think it was Higgins um I think Rashard Higgins was the guy that fumbled it I mean just a freak kind of play I mean I, I don't I don't think you put any of the blame on on Higgins I think it's just targeted. a better I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a good defensive play. I mean, it definitely was helmet to helmet. Um, but they didn't call it, and it's just unfortunate for the Browns that it happened to go through the end zone and then out the side for a touchback. But to answer your question, definitely when Mahomes went down, um, I don't know how much belief I anyone has in Chad Henney to get it done. I mean, it's I think it's a good thing that He's a 13-year veteran in this league, but he's never been in the postseason. And the Browns needed him to get one first down. And, you know, I got I got to be honest, Andy Reid or whoever calls plays for them. I, I, I think it's Andy Reid, but Eric, Andy Reid or Biennemi and Chad Henney all deserve a lot of credit because Andy Reid really made it easy for Chad Henney. And Chad Henney was able to execute it and got it done. I mean, it looked easy to get that first down without Mahomes, didn't it? I mean, Tyreek Hill was wide open to get the first down and that he was smart enough to stay in bounds to keep the clock moving. The game was over regardless, but um, it was kind of crazy though, how they ran the play. It was kind of like they went up there. It and almost like, looked like, gonna, yes, yeah, you're yes. going to make him jump off sides. I think they snapped it with like six seconds left. Like, you know, I've kind of been waiting for teams to do something like that where they think, okay, you're going to wind the clock down. Why snap it with one second? You know, they snapped it with like six seconds and that's, I feel like that's the classic Andy Reid, like, we got to get a first down here play, and, hey, you just trusted Chad Henney to get it. Also, I would argue that Chad Henney picked that first down up. I think if they had given him the first yeah. down initially on the field, there's no way they could really change that. Yeah, I thought um, the way he kind of dove forward, I thought the ball was across when his, I believe his elbow hit before his knee. But whatever hit first, I thought the ball was across. Uh, didn't end up mattering. They got it anyway. But I thought the Browns really gave – the Chiefs all they could. I thought the Browns. I mean, they, I don't know if they played the. They didn't play the best game they played all year. Um, Baker didn't play the best game he's played all year, but he certainly played well enough 
or I guess almost well enough. I mean, I thought the Browns really did everything they could, and they just lost to a better team. I don't think the Browns should have their um, heads hanging at all. I mean, I'm not a big believer in moral victories, but this loss and this exit uh, out of the playoffs, I think the Browns can learn from more than any other team that has already been eliminated up until this point. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that one, Ben. I think also, too, kind of Baker Mayfield on this playoff run proved that he's kind of that, you know, there was definitely questions like, are the Browns even going to retain Baker Mayfield? Like, what are they going to do with him? I think that they figured out that Baker's a gamer and that they can actually do something with Baker moving forward. Um, I thought it was definitely a weird game. Like, a lot of people are saying that Cleveland got robbed of a playoff win. At the same time, I would come, as my comeback, I would say, I mean, there was really never any sense of urgency that the Browns needed or that the Kansas City needed in this game. I mean, the Browns' defense held up and forced them into uh, how many field goals was it? I believe it was like four or five field goals in this game. Or four, they kicked or they made three field goals in this game. But I mean, I just felt like that Kansas City never really had that sense of urgency that they were going to get knocked off in this game. And I mean, like you said, you know, Andy Reid simplified everything and made it easy for Chad Henney to get things done. Ultimately, if you're Cleveland, though, you're going to look back on not going for that fourth down and kind of kick yourself. I think yeah. that was really the key turning point. You can't give Andy Reid back the ball no matter who's playing quarterback. He's smart enough, and the way the NFL works nowadays, they can get a first down and pick it up. But I think the Browns definitely have momentum to build off of. They're still a good young team, and I think they're going to be building off it. From the flip side of things for Kansas City, you better hope to heck that Pat Mahone's concussion isn't too much and that he's able to play next week because if you don't have him in there, I don't know if they can get it done. It sounds like... Um, it's a five-step process from what I've read, and he's completed uh, two, if not three, by the end of today of those step of those stages. So uh, he's progressing well. He he tweeted that he feels well. Um, the the Chiefs PR person reiterated to an NFL an ESPN NFL insider that the information that's out on Mahomes is accurate and that he does feel well. Um, there, I heard that the team was off today, but Mahomes was going to report to the stadium and go through a couple conditioning drills just to see how far they can push him without doing further tests to see if he gets any light, uh, to see if he gets lightheaded at all. So it sounds like he's on track to play. Um, and if he's not, um, who I, was it, Colin Coward? Someone, I think Colin Coward, I think I saw on Twitter said the NFL should think about postponing the game. That's nonsense. You you don't treat anyone um, better than anyone else. Mahomes, is, he, he's a quarterback, just like everyone else at the end of the day. He does not get special treatment just because he's uh, an MVP candidate, best player in the league. So I, I don't know what Colin was talking about there, but it yeah. does sound like the Chiefs will have their golden boy um, to play in the next round against Buffalo. Yeah, I mean that's just tough luck if he can't play. You can't, yeah, you can't, you can't be doing that. If a Part of the game, you know. What I mean, that'd be like the Rams petitioning and saying the game that their game should have gotten delayed one day just because of Aaron Donald's injury. You know what I mean? Or a couple of days, like can't be doing that. Or Goff, or um, Goff not being a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you don't get special things like that. It's, it's the playoffs. Suck it up. I mean, it's a long season. Every single team's got injuries. You got to do what you can with the injuries. Um, Next game that um, we kind of talked about is that there that was on on Sunday was Noodle Arms finale. And first thing I want to say about this game is everyone better quit with all the uh, uh, Michael Thomas is better than Julio Jones and this that and the other. I mean, 
I don't want to think I've ever seen Julio Jones in the biggest game of his career post 0-0-0. I mean, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen, though. It felt like they really didn't even try to get the ball to Michael Thomas that much. I mean, other than that target he had on that pass that went out of the back of the end zone, I mean, they pretty much didn't try to throw him the ball at all, and then he had four targets, zero catches. How crazy was that? Um, honestly, this was a weird game to sit there and watch, though. I mean, both quarterbacks threw for under under 200 yards, which you don't see too often. And this was honestly, Tampa Bay got the run game going finally. You know, when once the Tampa Bay lost New Orleans both times, me and you sat on here and bashed them. I think they ran like eight run plays the second time they played New Orleans. And me and you sat on here and tore them up. Well, then, I think they might have listened to the podcast because yeah. Tampa Bay ran the ball 35 times this game, and they ran it effectively for 127 yards. They outrushed New Orleans, but... This game really felt like it was going to come down to what quarterback, you know, made the most mistakes, and it was Noodle Arm making the mistakes. Look, I I hate doing this because you all know how much I hate the Saints, but it has to be done. Drew Brees is the single-handed reason his team has gone home the last three times he's been in the playoffs. Look, Drew Brees has been a great all-time quarterback. I'm not taking away from that. But he needs to be bashed for coming up short in the playoffs. Drew Brees threw for a lot of his yardage in garbage time in games. I'm not going to sit here and bash him for that. But you've got to come through in the biggest moments for your teams. And, you know, honestly, Drew Brees didn't come up in the biggest moments for his team in his career. I mean, he was absolutely awful in this game. He wasn't even effective on drives where they got the ball with a short field. They had a short field twice due to punt returns in the first half and a turnover in the first quarter, and they only managed to get six points out of it. Drew Brees is the sole reason why the Saints team didn't win. He's the sole reason why they lost to the Rams. You can blame it on the on the missed penalty call at the end of the day. Drew Brees threw an interception at halftime against the Vikings. He was a turnover machine and two turnovers in the first half, and they never bounced back from it. Drew Brees has gotten old and washed up, and I think this is the last time we'll ever see him take a snap in the NFL. It kind of sucks for him to have to go out like that, but you get no sympathy or shoulder to cry on from me, Drew. That was a lot. Um, listen, Drew Brees is, I think, on a lot of people's list, regardless maybe the fifth best quarterback of all time. If not in your top five, he's, probably, he's 100% in your top ten. He's regarded as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Um, it's It's been a pleasure and a pain at the same time to watch him. Um, you know, this is a guy that the early parts of his career, I'll take people on a little bit of a flashback, started off pretty rough. Um, he was not looking like he was going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever touch a football. He was on the San Diego Chargers and had a really bad shoulder injury. Um, And yes, it was the San Diego Chargers at the time. And their team doctor said, well, we don't think you're ever going to be able to throw again. Uh, We don't don't think you can play football. So he got further opinions. Um, They ended up trading him. The Saints got him. And, you know, the rest is history from there. But this is a guy that there were not a ton of short quarterbacks in the league that had tremendous success before Drew Brees. At least the style of play that Drew Brees likes to play. Drew Brees is not a runner. He's not Steve Young, right? I mean, Steve Young was a shorter guy that could get out of the pocket and run. Drew Brees was a pocket passer that, based on his height, people didn't know if he would be able to see over the offensive line. Well, I think he proved a lot of people wrong, but in terms of the point that you brought up, um, playoff success was not something that Drew Brees has in common with a lot of the other guys that people consider the greatest quarterbacks of all time that played during his time, like Brady and Peyton Manning and and um, Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and these guys. All, all of those guys had better success than, than Drew Brees. And, you know, he's the most accurate quarterback the NFL has ever seen. 
I don't think that's I, I think that's pretty undisputed at this point. He's got a lot of records. But at the end of the day, him and Sean Payton have a ton of wins as a coach and quarterback duo. I believe they're third on the all-time win list or something like that. Um, but at the end of the day, they got one Super Bowl that ha- was attached to the bounty gate. And Drew Brees does not have an MVP. Um, I-, I just don't know. You can't have Drew Brees in the GOAT category. He's got one Super Bowl and, and one MVP. At the end of the day, he was a phenomenal quarterback. He had all these records, but I don't know how much success, team mm-hmm. success, he really had. He won a lot of games for the Saints, a lot. And he deserves a statue for everything he did for the city of New Orleans and for the fan base of the Saints. He, he will get a statue, and he deserves it. But he got one Super Bowl, and he's got no MVP. So I, I don't know where he ranks in my in my all-time, to be honest with you, because Eli Manning's got two Super Bowls. I know that his defenses were great, but two Super Bowls is more than one. So I, I don't know where I rank Drew Brees. I just know that as a Falcon fan growing up, it caused a lot of pain in our hearts. But at the, but at the <laughs> end lot. of the day, at the end of the day, um, Drew Brees was a phenomenal person, uh, representation of the NFL. He was a phenomenal leader for the Saints in the city of New Orleans. And he was a phenomenal football player. And the NFL is going to miss someone like Drew. Um, but it does sound like the next thing up is for him to go to the booth and he's going to be um, broadcasting some games. I don't know which network he's going to get a deal with, but I'm very excited to watch that. I think he's a guy that has a lot of insight on the game. He's someone that I've always enjoyed listening to in interviews, so I'm excited for his next uh, journey in the booth. Yeah, absolutely. He'll definitely be in the booth. I mean, the NFL needs more guys like this. I mean, we saw how much they struggled on Monday Night Football a couple years ago when they lost Gruden. I mean, who knows? He could be the next Monday Night Football guy. And they haven't been able to lock down Peyton Manning. Um, he has not said yes. They've, they've offered him the job multiple times. Multiple networks have offered him the job. Uh, we know that Romo is uh, being paid a ton of money. I, I think Romo's tremendous at his job. I think Peyton Manning would be great at his job. I think Drew Brees would be great at his job. So we'll see where Drew Brees lands up and, um, you know, enjoy retirement. And um, sure as hell, tired of seeing number nine play my Falcons. So yeah, you know, congrats to him. For, for a great career, but I'm glad he's retired. Yeah, I also think the injury, I think the injury um, that he sustained this past year with all the broken, I, someone told me you have 13 ribs in your body. I, I, don't, I have not looked this up, but he broke 12 out of the 13 is what someone Jeez. told me with a collapsed lung. In my opinion, I don't think he had, I think he wanted one more year after this one. I think that kind of sped his retirement clock up. Um, after speaking with his family, kind of team doctor, Sean Payton, I'm sure who he, who he talked to, I, I think he kind of sped the clock up. And I think he realized that his arm strength was definitely not there. It had been falling the past couple of years. It's definitely not there anymore. And, um, you know, I, I think this injury took a lot on him mentally. Um, he was able to come back to it, I think, in four weeks, something like that. So I think it took a lot on him mentally. I think he's just kind of ready. I think his body's telling him he's ready. So, um, you know, enjoy retirement. Yeah, no, absolutely. Enjoy retirement, Drew. I won't miss you, but I can't take away. You did have a great career. Um, anyway, back to kind of the things inside the game. I honestly think as much as that I love to hate on Taysom Hill, and you all know how much I love to hate on Taysom Hill, I really think not having him in this game made a huge difference because, I mean, those short yardage yeah. situations where he kind of runs his gadget plays with him, his just little – 
I mean, Jameis ran that one gadget play for him for a touchdown. That was definitely a Taysom Hill play, but I think not having him kind of in there, I think, really hurt the Saints in a lot of these situations because they really had to rely on Drew Brees to try to throw the ball. You know, they never really got it going with Kamara on the ground. He had 18 carries for 85 yards, which, I mean, isn't horrible, but still, they could not really get it going like they would like to on the ground. They become more of a running team. I mean, also, too, they didn't have um, – what's um, Latavius Murray available as well. Yeah. So I think that hurt the Saints a little bit. They are a little more limited on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, ultimately hats off to Tampa Bay, man. They got their teeth kicked in the first two times that they played this team, and they got it going the second time. I don't want to sit here and say, oh, it was the magic of Tom Brady, like some people are saying. I really think it was the defensive side of the ball. I mean, their defense stepped up. They were put in a lot of bad situations due to um, due to those field, due to the field position that New Orleans got. And, they came up and they stepped up. I really thought that Devin White and Levante David were the guys who made the big plays. They didn't let them throw out, try all that little short stuff they do with Kamara and everybody. They came up and made some massive plays. I mean, especially Devin White, man. I feel like he was all over the field in on every single play as he led the game with tackles. I feel like this was kind of like the get, the coming out game for Devin White, his second-year linebacker. I feel like he said, put some respect on my name. I'm coming as one of the top five linebackers in the league, and that's exactly what he did in this game. Yeah, the defense looked great for the Bucs. Um, no sacks on Drew Brees, but that's he does throw the ball very quick. But they were able to turn him over. Um, I, I actually thought Brady did a really nice job in this game. Um, obviously, he didn't turn the ball over. He had three total touchdowns with the one rushing um, yeah. touchdown. He This dude's not afraid to to continue to do the QB sneaks that have made him partially famous. I mean, he's, he's the greatest quarterback at the QB sneaks, so – I, I thought the Patriots, Patri- not the Patriots, um, the Bucks did a great job of spreading the wealth around. I mean, if you look at their targets and their numbers, mm-hmm. a lot of people got a lot of looks. I mean, eight Antonio Brown and Evans only had three targets, and they both had a uh, one catch each. I mean, Fournette had six targets, Brait had five, Godwin seven, um, Gronk five. So I, I thought they spread the ball around pretty well, which makes it pretty tough on defenses. I thought they utilized all of their weapons. You and I. Uh, talked previously about how many weapons they have. Well, the weapons are only as good as as the times you use them. And I thought Lethwich did a good job of calling plays for Brady to use them. Thought Brady did a good job of spreading the wealth, and Brady was Brady. He didn't turn the ball over in a playoff game, and he uh, has a good defense to help him out. So he did his job to get to the next round. I think he'll have to do a little bit more to get past the Packers, but we'll get into that more on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fun to talk about these games, Ben. I can't wait to break them down. Speaking of the Packers, what a perfect segue set up by Ben. Got to give him a round of applause for that one. But we got the Rams and the Packers, which was the first game we started off watching here. Packers won this one 32-18. Ben, what was kind of your takeaway from this game? That Green Bay is really good offensively. (laughs) I mean, mean, Aaron Rodgers – dazzled um he was tremendous in this game i thought aaron jones and jamal williams were also tremendous in this game Devontae adams was Devontae adams i mean i I was actually my biggest takeaway was the fact that i don't know if this was on purpose if this was the scheme the rams defense run i was very disappointed that jalen ramsey was not following Devontae adams all game long too often did, did I see myself uh, – did I see Devontae Adams lined up with someone else? Mm-hmm. Almost every single time the Packers ran a play to get Devontae open on a quick pass because that's what you do. If, if their best player is not on Devontae Adams, then you might as well throw him the football. 
because he's open. And you're going to take advantage of it. I thought the Packers did a great job of taking advantage of it. I also thought the Packers did a tremendous job of establishing the run. Because what does that do? That sets up the play-action game, which Alan Lazard finally caught a touchdown pass. Aaron Rodgers threw two deep balls earlier in the game that he dropped. Well, he caught the uh, one in the second half to get them a touchdown. And listen, the Packers, I know that they have one superstar receiver, but I, I was looking to see if their if their other receivers would step up, and boy, did they. I thought Alan Lazard played a, played a great game outside of a couple of drops. Montless Scantling had a um, couple of nice catches throughout the game. And, and Robert Tunya, um, the tight end. Four targets, four catches for 60 yards. That's all you need. So I think my biggest takeaway was the fact that Ramsey was not following Devontae Adams and the fact that this Packers offense looks unstoppable to date. But they're going to get a tough defense again in Tampa Bay next week, uh, this coming week. Did you hear me there? Sorry, yeah, I lost you there for a second, but we're good now. Uh, um, yep. I was saying the Packers are going to have a tough opponent again this coming week with the Tampa Bay defense being so great. Um, so it's back-to-back tough defenses for the Packers, but they didn't seem to struggle too much with the Rams. Yeah, no, I mean, they did it at the beginning of the game, I feel like, but once they saw kind of Aaron Donald was banged up, they started to dominate him with just one guy, and I mean – I think I texted you when it happened when they got that penalty call on Donald on that third when it would have been third and long. I feel like that was the real backbreaker the Rams could never recover from. It was kind of like, okay, we can stop these guys. We can play with them a little bit here. And then after that point is when I really felt like the the wheels just kind of came off for the Rams and the Packers started to kind of take the game over. Um, As much as I would have loved to see Jalen Ramsey follow around Devontae Adams the entire game. I mean, that's just not the way the defense works, you know, for the Rams. Like, their defense is based off of you play a side of the field. There's not really anything you can do about that. I mean, Jalen Ramsey even said, I would love to follow around Devontae Adams for the entire game. It's just not the way our defense is played, you know, and he's got to do what the team wants to do. Um, I honestly liked what I saw from Jared Goff. I didn't think he mean he didn't do anything too bad. I didn't think he did anything too great, but I thought he did a good job of at least keeping him in the game somewhat. I thought Cam Akers stepped up and was ready to play, but ultimately... I thought the Rams honestly had a decent showing. I mean, just the Packers were just that much better, kind of like you said. They were able to get Alan Lazard involved in there. They said, okay, you're going to take away Jalen Ramsey. Well, we'll just go to this guy. You know, they used Tanya well. I thought they used everybody well, but like you said, they got it done on the ground, which is really where they did it. They saw their, how Donald was, and they were able to use their other offensive linemen and didn't have to double-team Donald. I mean, we both said we thought a big matchup was the injured Green Bay offensive line going up against Aaron Donald. I mean, they stepped up to the challenge. They were 188 yards on the ground. You're not going in Lambeau and beating them with that. I really do think this Packers team is the best team in the NFC, and I think they proved it. They came out firing and looked ready to go. I mean, I feel like this Packers team, even that kind of BS loss they had to the Colts earlier this season, I feel like outside of that game, the Packers really haven't disappointed us or let us down once this season. I feel like every single game they've come out and done it, you know, they kind of honestly remind me of our Atlanta Falcons when they went to the Super Bowl. I feel like this has been the best team in the NFC all season long, and it really hasn't been any different. That's the way it was. Like, I didn't think the Rams particularly played a bad game. I just felt like, if anything, I thought the Rams did a good job of hanging around, but Green Bay did what they needed to do and pulled away at the end of the game. I mean... You can't really knock the Rams on that one. And your boy, Joe, your Alexander, who um, you shouted him out when we previewed the game last Friday, he gave up one catch for negative three yards. So, I mean, he was outstanding in this game. He's been great all year. I believe he is a pro bowler this year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yep. So, I mean, listen, this Packers defense, is it great by any means? No. But they do enough. Um, they, they do enough to let this offense do what it needs to do to win them games. So, no, not many teams have been able to stop this Packers offense all year. And they've looked good in the playoffs so far. So, they're going to have a tough matchup with the Bucks. The Bucks are a team that can get some pressure on a quarterback. Um, but Rodgers is one of the greatest adjustment guys in the league. If he's getting sacked, then he'll get the ball out quicker. Um, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to this matchup. I think it's a tremendous matchup. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I mean, Cooper Cup being out, I don't think that necessarily the Rams would have won the game, but I think they probably would have covered the number if, they, if Cup had ended up going for him. I thought that really hurt them as well, you know, just because, you know, that's Goff's safety blanket, man. That's who he's looking for on those third downs. And I feel like, too, you know, like you said, Jair Alexander blanketed Robert Woods. They would have been able to get other guys going, although I thought Reynolds played a decent game in replacing him there. So, I mean, it was a, it, it, the Rams, the Rams put up all they could, but. We're finally to the game that I honestly think I have the most to say about besides the Tampa Bay game, and that is the Baltimore Ravens versus the um, Buffalo Bills. The final score of this game was 17-3, Baltimore going down in kind of embarrassing fashion. And look, I hate to say it for Baltimore, but they are the Milwaukee Bucks, and this was the Milwaukee Bucks-esque playoff performance right here. Lamar Jackson, I mean... Look, Lamar got exposed at the end of the day. I'm, I hate to refer to kind of compare things to Madden, but it kind of reminds me of in Madden where you play against somebody, you drop your whole defense into coverage, and they curl it down and run with their quarterback. It works on you, but then once you get in the red zone, you don't have to worry about wide receivers getting behind you. You can kind of move your defense up a little bit, and you don't have anything to worry about. That was exactly what the Bills did. I mean, Baltimore would get down the field, then they couldn't do anything in the red zone. Then you had the kicker jinxing Justin, or the, the announcer jinxing, jinxing Justin Tucker, saying, oh, Justin Tucker, this guy's automatic. He comes up there, hits the upright, misses. Justin Tucker hits the upright again, misses. I mean, how often do you see Justin Tucker miss not one, but two field goals in the same game? I mean, this game was 3-3 three to three going into halftime, and then you come out in the third quarter, Jackson has the brutal 100-yard pick six. I mean, you don't see that too often. But also, too, Josh Allen took the offense down the field. Look, I think Baltimore's defense played well in this game. But offensively, I mean, Lamar Jackson can't get it done in the playoffs. And I love Lamar Jackson. He's one of my favorite players I've ever watched play quarterback in college. And I think he's a fun guy to watch play in the NFL. I have nothing against him. Lamar Jackson, though, cannot win three or four playoff games in a row and get you to winning a Super Bowl with the way he plays right now. Now, I know, Ben, we both said that he needs a better, more dominant weapon on the outside of wide receiver. I think that could help, but he's got to get better throwing the football, man. All this running around stuff works, but then you get in the playoffs and teams use the kind of game plan the Bills use. Also, too, though, people need to put Stephon Diggs, they need to put some respect on his name as one of the best wide receivers in the league. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been clutching the pass in the, NFL, in the playoffs in Minnesota, but, I mean, Buffalo, he answered the task again. He had 106 yards with a touchdown. That's with Marcus Peters trying to blanket him the entire game. Buffalo won this game with 32 yards rushing. I mean, they threw the ball and got up and down the field the way they needed to. I mean, hats off to the Bills, man. They ended up getting the Super Bowl here. Josh Allen submitted himself, I think, as the best quarterback out of this draft class as being the first one to get this deep into the playoffs. Obviously, Baker and Lamar both have playoff victories now under their belt. Josh Allen, though, not only is he the first one to get two playoff victories under his belt, but he took his team to an AFC championship game. I think this was Josh Allen's statement game as well as I was the best guy out of this draft class, put some respect on my name. It was fun watching Buffalo ball out. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in his draft class. Um, I'm going to start with Lamar, and then I'll go to the Bills. Oh, Lamar. Lamar, Lamar, Lamar. Um, 
I think before I fully judge him, I need him to get better receivers in order to meet for me to find out who exactly Lamar Jackson is for the future of this league. As of today's date, he is atrocious at throwing the football. Um, atrocious. I mean, he. When I say he can't throw the football, that literally does not mean he can't complete a pass. I'm not saying that. He can complete passes. He's not very accurate with a lot of them, though. Um, he doesn't have great receivers. I get that. He's got a great tight end, and Mark Andrews, probably top four, top five tight end in the league, probably top five. Um, but he need they they need to help him out by drafting a couple receivers, and they don't need one. They need a couple. Because I, I don't know if Hollywood Brown is going to be able to sustain in this league. He's, he doesn't contribute that much as of now. And he's like the number one guy at receiver, not counting Mark Andrews right now. So you, you can't rely on Des Bryant and Hollywood Brown to win you games on the outside. It's not going to happen. These, these guys aren't good enough. But in terms of what I see from Lamar, I haven't seen him improve in I think it's been three years now in the NFL and throwing the football. I have not seen any improvement. He still cannot throw the football, in my opinion. He's a great quarterback because he can run the football, but he's never going to win a Super Bowl with, without being able to throw because someone is eventually – you're going to have to beat them through the air. You can't run the ball 80 times a game and beat someone. It's not going to happen. So until then, I, I think I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's great, though. I don't. He's got an MVP. I get that, but I would I don't consider him a great quarterback in this league. I don't. I agree. In terms of what I see from Buffalo, um, listen, they can't run the football. Um, this is nothing new. They couldn't run the football in the beginning of the year. Uh, we thought in the playoffs their two running back monster was Zach Moss and, and Singletary, or really three running back with Josh Allen helping out would help. But, I mean, they can't run the football. I know that the Ravens have the best defense that um, the Bills would would have faced in the AFC because the Chiefs' defense isn't as good, but – so we'll see if they can run the ball in the Chiefs, but they're, they're going to have to. Um, I think Josh Allen is capable of throwing the ball 40, 50 times in a game and, and the Bills winning a football game. I, it's just hard to sustain that over the years to come. they got to figure out a running game. But their defense is playing well. Um, I know that their task coming up against the Chiefs is a much harder task than it is against the Ravens, but Lamar is not easy to game plan for. Um, because you have to keep him in the pocket. I thought the Bills' defense did a good job on that. I think Josh Allen's been outstanding. I thought I think Stephon Diggs has been outstanding. I think Cole Beasley has been great. Um, I think Brian Dabble, the offensive coordinator, has been tremendous for the Bills. I just think that they need more as a team in order to take down Kansas City because I think they need a little bit more balance because as good as their defense has been, the Chiefs can score on anybody. Um, the Chiefs can really. The Chiefs can even run the football when they want to. Um, I know that Clyde Edwards-Helaire did not play this past week, but when he does play, they have a running back monster with him and Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon doesn't do much, but he does enough. So, I, I just. I mean, they have. Was it? Is it Williams too that started for them this past game? Uh, yeah, Kansas, Kansas City. City gave all the carries to Williams. Le'Veon Bell had two. Yeah, so I think between Williams, Bell, and, and uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if he can play against Buffalo, I think they have enough balance. I don't know if Buffalo has enough balance. They haven't shown me enough balance to this date, but I would rather put the ball in Josh Allen's, Josh Allen's hands anyway. I just, 
their offense has been stagnant these past two weeks. I, I'm a little shocked. Are you not? Yeah, no, I'm at the, definitely at the a Buffalo little... offense. No, I'm definitely a little shocked in how the, the how Buffalo's offense has been a little stagnant in the playoffs. But I also just think you know it's kind of just the way that game was played against against the Ravens. You know, like I don't think it was necessarily like the field was opened up like that. I feel like it was kind of one of those you know low scoring. We're gonna have to beat them in a defensive battle kind of game. I mean, Buffalo's defense stepped up to the challenge though, man. But yeah, yeah, not being able to run the ball too kind of hurt. But the Ravens, you know, they have those big pass rushers like you. You were the one who was hitting on them. You were just talking about Campbell and Judon and all of them up front and how that they re- and Gawkway how they can really get to the quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think they really proved. I think the um, excuse me, the Baltimore defense really proved how good they can be and how good they are. Um, I, I thought they did everything and even a little bit more for them to win this game. I mean, they left. Justin Tucker missed a couple field goals in the first half. Uh, or uh, they weren't burst in the first half, I don't believe. But he left a couple field goals on the board that's six points. And obviously the red zone drive that turned into a pick six. I mean, I, I thought the Ravens moved the ball enough to win this game the way that their defense played on offense. But they didn't They didn't convert drives. I mean, Justin Tucker, I know that the the wind was howling. It was swirling in Buffalo. It's not an easy place to kick, but at the end of the day, when, when your team calls on you in the playoffs, you have to come through for your team. He's known as the most accurate kicker in NFL history, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he You're came correct. up a little short for his team, and and um, for someone like myself who had plus eight and a half, I was pretty pissed. Oh, I'd be furious too. I thought, by the way, I thought Tyler Huntley was going to drive down and give you that back door, but he got in the red zone and uh, couldn't end up putting it in the end zone. Buffalo defense stood tall. And he threw again, a catchable but... ball. He threw a catchable pass to Mark Andrews. It was covered. There was a guy all over him, but that last catch, the last play of the game, Mark Andrews could have gotten that pass. Just saying. No, I 100% agree with you, Ben. I was I had a teaser as well with Ravens plus eight and a half, and I thought that game was going to be decided by like seven to three points. So. I was in the same boat as you there losing that one. But, you know, Ben, it's going to be fun to break down these last uh, group of games for the for the season. I can't wait to do it with you once more. Uh, we'll also have the Super Bowl as well. So we're almost – our, our uh, game breakdown is almost coming to an end. But before we get up out of here, I'll just talk some quick basketball. So first kind of topic that I have for you all for the NBA has to do with um, games we watched last night. And, you know, I hate to be reactive just because it's so early in the NBA season. And I mean, college basketball, it's a little bit deeper now, but it's just so early in the NBA season. But I feel like the same general observation I have is kind of came out once again last night, and that's with the Bucks, man. I mean, yeah, you go out and you get Drew Holiday. Yeah, Chris Middleton's a damn good player. Yeah, Giannis is probably a top five player in the league. At the end of the day, the end of the game, you need one shot to win a basketball game. Giannis is not the guy to hit that shot for you. I don't think Giannis has hit a single game-winning buzzer beater in his NBA career. I mean, he can't shoot. Teams just wall off the paint, and he has to pass the ball. Came down to Chris Middleton last night, and he missed the buzzer beater that would have sent this game into overtime versus a Brooklyn team that's down Kyrie Irving. I mean, I just feel like that this Bucks team is not going to be able to get over the hump once again because they don't have that guy who can hit the buzzer beater. I don't want the ball in Drew Holiday's hands to hit the game winner for me. I don't want the ball in Chris Middleton's hands. I don't want the ball in Giannis's hands. I mean, they don't have that guy who can hit the big shot. At least Brooklyn, I would feel Brooklyn, I would feel damn good about any of their three guys having the shot to hit the game winning or having the ball to hit the game winning shot. I'd feel good about Anthony Davis or LeBron. You know, I'd feel good about Kawhi or Paul George. I'd feel I can just go on and on down the list. I feel like a lot of these teams, even some that are borderline playoff teams, at least have a guy you're like, okay, I feel good about three seconds left. He's got the ball in his hands. He's going to hit a shot for me. The Bucks. I don't feel good about anybody on their team. Do you feel differently? No, 
I feel the exact same way. Um, doesn't seem to matter where Giannis is on the floor anyway, because I've seen him airball two clutch free throws. Um, I mean, he he's not a great free throw shooter. He's not a great shooter. So when you need a jump shot, if you need a three at the end, of the game, yeah. So the Bucks just, like I was saying, they don't have a guy. I think if you're down three at the end of the game, Giannis is not shooting the ball. Sometimes he even throws the ball in because you know he's not going to shoot it. Drew Holiday's never been the guy on a winning, winning team. And then Chris Middleton, who has been an all-star, he's not a number one. Um, I think looking back on it, I think Chris Middleton's a great player, but I think his contract's going to be somewhat regrettable. I don't think he's a good enough two-player to bring Giannis to a championship. I really don't. I think he's a tremendous shooter. I think he plays good defense, but... I don't think he's the guy to get it done when you need to get it done, whether it's a stop on the defensive end or if it's a made um, three-pointer. So I agree with you that I don't think the Bucks have a guy to turn to. And I think this topic comes even more relevant now that James Harden is in the Eastern Conference because it makes the Nets that much better. Um, you could have made an argument that the Nets were better than the Bucks with just Kyrie and Durant, but now they're definitely better than the Bucks adding James Harden. And like you said, Kyrie has hit a big shot that's won a finals. KD is one of the best scorers of all time, and Harden is one of the best scorers I've ever seen. So I think this becomes even more of a challenge for Coach Budenholzer and the Bucks because I don't think they're the best team in the East anymore. And I thought they were in the beginning of the season. I picked them as my one seed. I don't think they're the best team at this point. Yeah, I agree with you completely. They might be the one seed once again, but in the playoffs, they definitely will not be the team to come out of the Eastern Conference. And I feel like I can pretty firmly say that after what I saw last night. I would feel better about taking the Celtics or the Nets at this point in time to win the Eastern Conference. Um, I mean, it's no knock on Milwaukee. They just don't have that go-to guy to get the bucket at the end of the game. I feel like it's the same old story once again for Milwaukee. Um, Another kind of... Just observation I have so far about the NBA season that we've seen is this Warriors team's legit. Yeah, they started out the season pretty bad. They lost their first three games of the season, but since then, this has been one of the better teams in the league. And I think there's a couple things that contributed to it here. First off, if they still had Klay Thompson, they might honestly be the best team in the West, only to maybe the Lakers. And this team's this team ever since their rough start is now won six out of their their six and four in their last ten games. So this team's picked their play up over the last uh, over their, this little stretch, but I think it comes down to what they do on the defensive end. I mean, they have one of the better defenses in the league. Um, they've definitely improved it since the rough start they had, but I think it's really their defense and the way that Steve Kerr is able to make adjustments. Like last night, for example, they were down 15 points, multiple points in time, but they made those second half adjustments on the defensive end and stopped the Lakers, held the Lakers to almost half of what they scored in the first half. I mean, this this Warriors defense. Is something else, but also, I feel like Steph, Steph Curry and Draymond Green are on a mission this season. Not only do you mean Draymond's lost weight, he looks like he's in better shape and he helps make a lot of plays for them, but also Steph Curry's been, you know, he kind of got, we kind of forgot about him. I'm not even, I'm not going to say everyone did because I forgot about how good he can be too. I mean, Steph last night went around a pick and just popped a three that I was like, why is he even shooting that? Water. I mean, it ended up being the difference in the game last night. Steph Curry has come out on a mission to remind everybody how good he actually is. And, I mean, he's been doing a damn good job at first 60-point game anybody's had this season. He's been a cold-blooded killer. And, I mean, Steph Curry is trying to show us that he really is that good and to remember that he's one of the five best players in this league. Yeah. I mean, the combination of Steph being the greatest shooter of all time um, 
and and showing it on a on a game to game basis. I mean, he's been he's been red hot these uh, last couple of weeks. But also, I, I, I'd like to give a lot of credit to Steve Kerr. Um, I agree. I, I don't I don't think this is an easy team to coach. There's a lot, and, and it's nothing personality. Uh, he's been with Draymond for a couple of years now. I think they understand each other. Um, I think there's a lot of moving parts that have a large handprint on how successful this Warriors team can be. And I think the main three factors of it is what are you going to get from Wiggins, Oubre, and Wiseman? Um, I've been impressed with Oubre. Uh, started off not being able to, not shooting the ball very well at all. He was missing every three he took, and he's been making a couple threes now. And I know that he gets more open shots because Curry's on fire um, at the moment, so he gets a lot of looks, but you still have to make the shots. So Uber's a tremendous defender. He's got a tremendous length. Wiggins has a lot of length to him and it, it is playing hard on the defensive end. I think the two of them have stepped it up. And then Wiseman has these games where he, he does contribute, but he, he does have those games where he looks like a rookie where he gets like three fouls in the first quarter and Steve Kerr just looks at him. He's like, dude, like I, I can't have you play defense like this, you know, but he's going to learn. Mm-hmm. I think Draymond's a great teacher, great mentor um, to help him. Draymond was wired, I think, last night, and he was he was really teaching Wiseman as the game goes on. He said, listen, I, I keep giving you the ball when you're one-on-one with, with Gasol because I think that's the best matchup on the floor. Take advantage of it. I mean, Draymond had passed him the ball, and, and Wiseman tried a little move and didn't get around him and then just passed the ball and wasn't in the play anymore. Draymond's like, I gave you to, for a reason. You're the best matchup on the floor, and I think Wiseman is going to be the best matchup on the floor, maybe except for Curry, on a lot of cases because he's he's quick for a big man. He's seven feet, but he moves really well, and he's athletic, and he can shoot, and he can do a lot of things. He just needs to get the confidence to, to put them in, in into play. Um, but I think Steve Curry's doing, doing a tremendous job with his team. Curry is Curry. Is Curry. I mean uh, – I didn't forget about him. I, I don't know how people did. He's the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, this Warriors team is a lot of fun to watch, though. They can get up I and agree. down the floor. So uh, we'll see how, kind of how they finish out. I know they're on a good run right now. I, I don't know if they can sustain it because I think a lot of it relies on Ubre and Wiggins. And I don't think they're going to shoot well all year. Yeah, Ubre is definitely going to have to pick that shooting up. Wiggins has actually played better as the season's gone on, but – I agree with you, yeah. Ben. Honestly, it's a fun Warriors team to watch, a different dynamic. But, yeah, give Steve Kerr credit. Everyone wanted to say Steve Kerr, oh, he got to coach this talented team. I mean, they forget, though, that Mark Jackson got the five seed with that same team that Steve Kerr got the best record in the league with. So something else to remember as well. Um, last topic here before we get up out of here. It was a little got to show a little love to college basketball because we haven't shown too much yet this season. And I think last night, Ben, kind of put everything in perspective for us. Baylor was is the number two team in the nation, and they played the number six team in the nation, Kansas. Not only were they up by double digits out the gate in pretty much the entire game, but, I mean, yeah, Kansas City Gardens 3 and covered the spread. Who cares? That game was never close. Never once did you feel like Baylor was going to lose that game. Ben, do you think the gap between number one and two is the greatest it's ever been in college basketball? Do I think the gap between Gonzaga and Baylor or Gonzaga, Baylor, and everyone else? Yeah, I should have worded that better. Gonzaga, Baylor, and everyone else. Um, It's the largest I've ever seen since I followed college basketball in the, I mean, I'm 20, about to be 23 years old. We'll say I followed it for the last 18 years 
I mean, that's that's a stretch. But let's just say for the last 18 years, I think it's the greatest gap it's ever been. I think it's the greatest gap we'll ever see. I, I don't because I, I think this season is a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every blue blood is horrible this year. Almost every single one. I mean, horrible. I mean, there's a chance. There's a good chance Kentucky does not make the tournament. There's a solid chance. There's a solid chance UNC does not make the tournament, and there's Duke is iffy at this point. Duke's mm-hmm. iffy on making the tournament. I think they eventually will, but you know they're not playing good ball. I don't think Kansas is that good of a team either. I mean, um, by the way, for the people that I care, that spread helped me. That won a parlay for me last night. That last second hey, three. I had Kansas as well. Gambling gods but, would be that one, but they don't know you crap. But at the end of the day. Um, Kansas does not shoot the ball that well. I think that's a. I think that's a. Um, I I think you can say that for a lot of teams. I think the teams that Duke has had in the past couple of years that don't play that well is because they can't shoot. Duke can't shoot this year. They couldn't shoot last year. Um, Kentucky can't shoot this year. Um, I I looked at the Kansas team and I don't think they shoot the ball that well outside of um, about uh, what's his name. Uh, it's like a Bajale or something like that. He's yep, been there for a couple exactly, years now. I know exactly who you're talking about. I cannot pronounce his name though. <laughs> he's number thirty on. He's number thirty on Kansas. He, he's really. I mean, then uh, the white shooting guard number two. I think is they're like really their only other shooter. I mean, Garrett, who's been there for a couple of years now, can't shoot, and then the rest of their guys are big men. Uh, their main guys that score. So, I, I think Gonzaga shoots the ball tremendously. Uh, they shoot the ball at a high rate. They have five, six guys that can that I say can get over ten points a game. They I think they all average over ten. And they have a couple of guys that get over twenty. So they just have a lot of scoring. Um, they play hard on the defensive end. They have size. And Baylor I think has it all too. I, I Baylor's main player is Butler, who shot the ball tremendously uh, against Kansas. I think he made seven threes against Kansas. He was yeah. great. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Number thirty one. Um, big man Baylor. Nope. Or the small forward Teague. Teague. Thank you. Um, he can shoot the ball too. And then their other kind of their, um, big time guard Mitchell is not a great shooter, but he, he's really, really quick. Gets the ball mm-hmm. to the rim. Well, I, I think Baylor's got an abundance of scoring just like in Zaga. So I think this is the largest gap I've ever seen. I think it's the largest college basketball will I've seen. I'm not saying March Madness will be, easier to pick this year but i think it'll be a lot of chalk in the people's brackets yeah um i'd agree with you ben just on gonzaga and baylor for the chalk i mean i really don't see anybody that can take those two teams down besides those two honestly though i think gonzaga is a little bit better than baylor i will say this i haven't seen teams that much better than everybody since that villanova team that had like mikhail bridges i think they were in 2017 spellman deconcinzo paschal Jalen Brunson like I haven't seen a team really that's been better since that team but just to put it into perspective y'all for numbers just because y'all know I'm a big numbers guy Baylor's number seven in the in the nation at offensive rebounding I mean efficient field goals they're eight they're eighth um their defense they're giving up 47 so I mean they're amazing Gonzaga's first in efficiency on field goals um rebounding Gonzaga ranks in the top 50 both offensively and defensively um, turnover as well. Gonzaga's 21st, so they're not turning the ball over much either. Um, when you look at two-point scoring, Baylor ranks 36th. Gonzaga ranks 1st. 
defensively they're both inside the top 50 as well there so you're not getting anything easy on him inside gonzaga is a little bit better or baylor's better than gonzaga at shooting the threes of their fourth but also gonzaga leads the nation in points per game at 94.4 next is iowa at 92.2 they played each other and that game was never even close gonzaga whooped their ass from start to finish also baylor is um number nine in points per game just to put in perspective for y'all but when i watch these two teams play on the court no one can keep up with their pace. No one can keep up with their scoring. I mean, they put 100 points up on um, – Gonzaga put 100 points up on Kansas. Ultimately, I think Gonzaga is better than Baylor. Obviously, we didn't get to see that game. Honestly, Ben, I'm still upset that game got canceled due to COVID. I mean, that was the game I think I wanted to watch most in sports in general. I mean, they should just schedule it again. <laughs> put it yeah. on the schedule. Yeah, put it on the schedule for sometime next month. I mean, like, we would all love to see that. I mean – the good news is both these teams can end up going undefeated. And I think it'd make it even better if it was like a little rematch, a little grudge match. One team wants out for revenge if they play each other in the national championship. But I will be rooting for the chalk to go all the way in the final four and these two teams end up playing each other just because I think it'd be fun to watch the two best teams face off. That's what you want to see in sports. That's the ultimate goal while these tournaments is to watch the two best teams play each other. But I really don't even think it's close, man. Craziest thing about Baylor is with how good they are on offense, their defense is just as good. They're one of the best defensive teams in the nation. Um, I know some people have Baylor ranked in front of Gonzaga. I say they got to win first in order to prove that. Is they're pretty much ranked second in offense only to only to Gonzaga, and they're ranked third in defense. So I mean, I, I will say this though. I will say this though. If you watch the second half of that Baylor Kansas game. It was a game of runs. I mean, Baylor would go on like a, a 9-0 run, but then Kansas would follow it up with a 7-8-0 run themselves. So Kansas was able to score. They just couldn't get enough stops. I mean, it. you know, they mm -hmm. lost to a better team. I think Bill Self will admit that. But to answer your the, the first question, there is a massive gap. And there's a lot of good there's, – there's good teams in college basketball this year. Tennessee is a, is a good program. Tennessee, by the way, plays tremendous defense. Yep. Problem is they can't they can't score. They, they struggle to. I mean, Tennessee's team this year is almost like what we usually see from Virginia. They hold people under seventy points easy a lot of their games, but they're not great at scoring. I mean, the best team in the SEC right now, not to brag, is my Alabama Crimson Tide. But if Alabama played Gonzaga or Baylor, they, I mean, they'd lose by fifteen, I think. So. There's there's a big gap in college basketball right now. Oh, yeah, there's a big gap. I mean, it'll definitely correct itself. It's not as bad as it is in college football, but it's going to be fun to see how everything plays out in basketball. Me and Ben are going to start getting podcasts out here for y'all on NFL free agency, on college basketball, and NF NBA as well. We're going to keep cranking those out for y'all, but we appreciate everyone who tuned in once again. Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again. Help me out. Yeah, man. Thanks as always. Hey. We once again, we appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.